good, because I'm just throwing it in there, pushing the button. <laughs> Yeah, no, no, don't worry about eyeliner. It's great. We love the audience. Woohoo! Yes. Woohoo! <laughs> <laughs> Welcome back, Mrs. Ryan. Hello, everybody. Hello, hello. Holy cow, it's been weeks and weeks and weeks. I feel like, oh, well, like a kid who's back from summer break. Hi, everybody. Welcome back. Tonight is, uh, oh, God, I did the wrong thing. Here we go. Tonight is Tuesday, July 9th, 2019. My name is Jay Ryan. This is Nicole Ryan. We are the Ryans, and this is It's Tonight's Show. We are back after we had a dark week. We had a dark week for the holiday. Happy holidays, Mrs. Ryan. Happy holidays to you, too. How on earth are you doing today? Doing okay. How have you been? Been exhausted, but uh, whatever, man. That's the holidays. I got some sun. <laughs> you did. We both got some sun. It's Warm nice. me up. They uh, they finished the sun deck. They were redoing the pool and gym and spa area um, for like six months, actually. So it was closed forever, and then now it's open. So we're gosh enjoying that, having morning meetings out by the pool sometimes. Certainly last week while we were off. It was great. It was great. Uh, happy 4th of July to everyone else. What else has been going on? Uh, earthquakes, Mrs. Ryan. Earthquakes. It's huge. Two <laughs> huge ones. Well, two earthquakes were, for yeah. sure. Um, the only damage that we suffered here were some crooked photos, all of which have been straightened since. We've been very lucky. But I will tell you, the place was rolling. It was rolling like we're, crazy. We are currently on the third floor of a building with a basement, a parking basement. And, uh, uh, oh, man, we went for a ride. Luckily, this building is new. It was built in, like, 2011, I think. Um, so it's, it's up to all the codes and everything. But, woof, it was still a ride. That second one specifically, the 7.1. Yeah, the second one. Whoa. Big deal. Uh, what else has been going on? What else have we missed everything i don't yeah. know there have been some awesome breakfast clubs uh we'll probably talk about that there is a lately video but we're not going to play that today because we have too many other things with that i think i should stop talking we should play some videos and then get our guest in here who i didn't get a chance to tell you about today yet here we go okay our guest today is actress uh michelle lang she also is the founder of the relaxation based lifestyle and the author of this new book i happen to have a copy of it right here uh the mermaid's guide to Empower your child in water and in life. Pretty interesting. Uh, we're going to talk all about that in a few minutes when she gets in here. But in the, like right now, I think it's video time, right? Yes. All right. We're going to go either behind the uh, – no, that's not right. We're not going to go behind the orange curtain. <laughs> we might do that later in the week. We are going to do a backstage pass with Ray Schaefer, mm -hmm. or we're going to check in with the East Coast feed with uh, Dan Bray Shive. I would like, like East Coast feed first, East please. Coast feed first. All right. Going over here to Connecticut, checking in with Dan Bray Chive. And the East Coast feed, roll it out. Brooke, the Kazman. We got Grandma, we got Mike, we got Taylor, and Sterling. And, oh wait, and Facebook Live in the background. We're playing some Yahtzee here on the new couches, right, Brooke? Brooke had a little uh, root canal action going on there. Grandma. <laughs> There we go. Here we go. Here we go. Are you a YouTuber? That's exactly right. Remember, you say hi to the camera. Say hi to Jay Nicole. Hi. Hi. How you doing? There it is. There it is. She loves you. Love you guys. Wow. I love that family. <laughs> yeah, I agree with you there. Um, I love that grandmother. She's 93, 94, something like that. Yeah. Still totally spry. Uh, one more for them, and we're doing this because it's time sensitive. Now we're going over to Ridgefield BMW to check in with Dan Breach Hive and the East Coast doke. Feed specifically. Roll it out. Mr. and Mrs. Ryan, East Coast Feed coming to you live from. Oh, it doesn't say BMW on my shirt. I'm wearing a different shirt. Thank you. That's my friend Lauren. Hey, we're just here with a random car from BMW Corporate. Actually, it's the Gay Pride Parade for Manhattan. Uh, car they're going to be running in the parade. I think you find something interesting with that. It's pretty neat. Look at Lauren's our model as she can help out, point it all out here. And it looks pretty neat. It's got a bunch of different fun stuff on it for Gay Pride Weekend in Manhattan. And that's it. Just want to send you some random love with the M850. And as you can see with the jersey plates, clearly it's a BMW corporate car. Later. <laughs> How cool is that? That was awesome. So BMW corporate made... That's a brand new car that has just been released, the 850. Okay. They made a special gay pride parade livery 850 
cool. That's what, so it had the checkered flags and the rainbows and everything else. Isn't that awesome? That's and something looked, they made. That's so I cool. saw Jonathan Adler on the back, so I'm assuming he's a designer. I'm assuming perhaps he was uh, had something to do with it. But very, 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 very cool. Very cool. Very cool. And thank you to Kazman for showing it to us. Uh, okay, Mrs. Ryan. Yes. Now we're going to head over to Backstage Pass with Ray Schaefer. Okay, dokie. See where he is today. Roll it out. Good morning, Jay and Nicole from the Porsche Experience Center, Atlanta, home of Porsche Classic here in North America. It is Saturday, and today is the 928 Rendezvous. Now, the 928, a model that was produced from the 1970s through 1995, there are about 61,000 of them in total, is a vehicle that is supported by Porsche Classic. Right now, we're making over 8,500 unique parts specifically for that uh, heritage model. And today there's going to be a great selection of them upstairs. So as I like to always say, why don't you come along and let's go see what we can see. Well, Jay and Nicole, I hope you enjoyed this visit with the 928 Rendezvous folks this morning. They've come from all over the U.S. to be here, and what an amazing selection of 928 models. Hard to believe, looking at those cars, that the concept for the front engine transaxle design began as early as 1971 and was in development. Of course, went into production in the late 70s, ran all the way to 1995. Really cool model with a great variety of uh, variants available over the years, typical of Porsche evolution and engineering. So I hope you've enjoyed that look. Until the next adventure, Jay and Nicole, have a great show. <laughs> oh. Someone's working on his production value. <laughs> Have you noticed that? <laughs> yes. <laughs> his performance Fantastic. has gotten so better, but now his camera work's getting better, his editing is getting better, and certainly his composition is getting better. Agreed. All right. So with that, thank you, Ray Schaefer. If not already, please consider following Ray Schaefer for your backstage pass to all things Porsche Classic, brand heritage, and travel-related material. That's Ray.Schaefer, S-H-A. <laughs> F-F-E-R. Thank you, Ray Schaefer. We love you. Uh, okay, Mrs. Ryan, that wraps up all the stuff I have to do. It's yeah. time to ask the question that's on everyone's mind. What's going on, Mrs. Ryan? In the UK, they're starting a new initiative of Happy to Chat Benches. They're installing benches all around the cities that have a plaque on them that's saying "Happy to chat," so that you sit there. If saying you you're open to communication. Yeah, like come sit with me. We'll, yeah, they're we'll have a little talk. Encouraging people talking to each other. That's what we do. Yeah, that's so nice. Yeah, we got it, one right here. Yeah, it felt very similar, and so I love the spreading of love. Where was this? You said in the UK. Oh, that's good stuff. So keep it up, guys, and chat. Um, similarly. Uh, 
it turns out that different kinds of animals like the beaches. We think it's just us. Do but we? There was, uh, some people do. But there was a deer in at Lake Michigan oh. that was just like frolicking along the be- the sand. But oh, like, is with there a video people. of that? Yeah. Oh, I'd love to see that. I'll send it to you. It was so cool to see and so chill. And the people were chill. So just a reminder, when you're out at car stuff and you see a dog, just be chill. There, animals are energy is just like us so if we like water they might like water too and driving and pretty nature stuff (laughs) speaking of which i believe we are one month away one month from today the art of racing in the rain comes out oh well kudos mr patrick dempsey produced and mr jeff swart the uh, second unit director did all the racing stuff it looks beautiful it's a great story so yeah yeah it's a nice tie-in for animals yeah yeah yeah. um (laughs) There is an airport in uh, shoot in Australia that paused the takeoff to let a turtle go by. Oh my! Look at you! You're all about the wildlife today. I yeah, today I'm about wildlife. And uh, the turtle on the runway. There was a turtle on the tarmac, and I guess that's the runway. Was he in the middle of a race? No. Oh. But he was walking really slowly, and so the first the flight the someone got on the loudspeaker and was like, "Sorry, guys." We're going to pause for a minute. There's a turtle. Nice. And it was four minutes. Who can be upset about that? Four minutes. The, the, the outpouring of support and love for the flight crew for doing that was incredible. <laughs> People just were like so happy. They were like, whatever, it's four minutes. Like, we'll watch the turtle. Um, and lastly, they're opening airports for non-travelers in some places. I posted about this over the weekend. It delights me. Yeah. It delights me. It's it it sounds awesome, and I used to love watching planes take off and land when I was a kid. So that this is a new option for people. You want to tell people what it is? It's amazing. Um, I don't. It, it, there was different reports in different airports. Do you want me to do it? Yes, please. Okay. When I was a kid, my dad used to take me to do this. We would just go to the airport to watch the planes. You watch the planes take off and land. Some smaller airports, some big airports. <clears throat> uh, essentially, you would go to the airport to not travel anywhere. You would go to people watch, to go to the, the uh, have a lunch, to whatever the heck. It doesn't really matter. Go for exercise, like mall walking. Uh, and after nine eleven, you needed a you know the, the a ticket security. and you needed a, to, to check past in. A certain. You want to do it? No. <laughs> no. Nope. Go ahead. No. Nope. <laughs> 9-11 changed everything, too. 9-11 changed everything, where all of a sudden we couldn't do that anymore. And there were all sorts of regulations and rules, and, no, oh, you can't go here and you can't go there. And there was all sorts of reasons for it. But now it seems that they've figured out a way to check people out who aren't <laughs> flying and say, yeah, you can go over uh, to the airport for the day and, and, and spend the day as a non-traveler. You have a non-traveler's pass, I believe it's called. Yeah. Um, but the article specifically was a grandfather who was taking his grandson. And, oh, he loves it. And they go have a sandwich at this place every time, and they go have a milkshake at this place. And to me, it was just delightful. So I like it. I like it, too. Great people watching at the airport, too. If the you're a writer, lo- you know what I mean? <laughs> Writer's block, struggling, take a train trip or go to the airport. I used to love going to airports. Yeah, I would, I would enjoy that, too. So non-traveler's passes are coming to Oh, you. that's right. Oh, my goodness. And that's been <laughs> What's Going On, Mrs. Ryan. Dun, 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 dun. All right, Mrs. Ryan. Yeah. Time to take a break. Yes. Keep, this, keep this train on the tracks here. Michelle Lang will be in here in just a few minutes. Oh. We're going to take a quick break. More to come. Michelle will be sitting in that chair right there. We're going to talk about her new book. A Mermaid's Guide, uh, as well as her uh, the new thing and the, all the other stuff and her acting career. We're really excited to get her in here. More to come right after this. You good? So good. I just love how everything's like, are you going to have to take all of this out if you ever move? At some point. Or, or someone's we, just yeah, going to have a really nice room. We're having the discussions now about moving to a studio at some point. Yeah. And... Um, we're back, by the way. <laughs> Hello, everybody. We're back. We're sitting here with Michelle Lang. Hello there, Michelle Lang. Hello. Um, I want to say right off the bat that I keep. I'm gonna, I may confuse your name a few times. I keep wanting to say Michelle Lee, of course, famous actress. Okay. Uh, you are Michelle Lang, but you played Bruce Lee's wife? Yeah, or Linda it, Lee. I mean, we'll get to all that. Yeah. But So I'm having kind so of a mental... So it's all confusing. No, I, just, I may say it wrong once or twice. It's okay. Uh, Whatever, I'm saying it up front so that... Yeah, exactly. Thank you. Uh, Thank you for being here. Thank you for being here today. I hope you uh, um, uh, are ready for this. I'm so ready. I'm ready. Great. All the good energy from your desk. We were just talking about the set and everything before. That's that's what 
you seem to be. Uh, is that what got you here, the set? Well, Na got me here, and then she told me about the set. And oh, that's so right. So it's a triple win, really. That's right. So Na Win, who was a guest on our show oh, only a couple weeks ago, I guess, is a mutual friend. Is that right? Yes. Okay. Yeah. And but you guys don't know each other. Correct. Okay. She right. asked me to have you on before she even came on. Oh no! Kidding. Oh. Yeah, she's it loves you. Giver. Lo- yeah, she is. She, she is. Said the same about you. Yeah. Oh no! She really. She. It's. It's part of it. She does publicity and producing and other stuff too. But I come from this film family and. I've told Na this, but we feel like we kind of like vision quested her into our life because we had these three other elements of pre-production, writing, production, and we would make these films and we did not know anything about publicity. We're like, oh. we really need to find somebody yeah, who this we is, love. This is my issue. I know how to make the product. I don't know how to get other people to see it. Yes. Yeah. And it's such a different world. So we manifested her into our lives. <gasps> All right, I love nice. this. Yeah. All right, well, then let's back it up with you because you know I'm Mr. Timeline Guy. Um, <laughs> where do we start with you? Where'd you grow up? How about that? I was born in Utah, then okay. moved to London, then to Wisconsin. Whoa. Oh, wait, I missed one. Then to Colorado, then Wisconsin, and then I went to school at Northwestern in Chicago. Oh, wow. All right, so, yeah. I mean, high school years, maybe. Wisconsin. Okay. So yes. would you say I grew up in Wisconsin? Yeah, I would kind of claim Wisconsin. Although when I moved to Colorado after London, I was in London from one to three. So that's and if you have London, you can't not mention it, right? You can't London not mention has to be it. Part of there. I spent some time in London when I was a kid. Yes, I you work too. it in. But I wish they would have let me keep the accent because I had oh. to go to speech therapy, and they made me say "er" a hundred million times so I could say my "r's" in properly. This is so interesting. In Colorado, yeah. <laughs> so. Uh, uh, we'll get to the whole thing, but you bounced around a lot at an early age. So did you, mm-hmm. and you. She, she never lived abroad, but she once moved to a different town in a different state and developed an English accent. Really? How did that happen? You were young, right? How old were you? I was eight-ish, okay. and uh, I was made fun of horribly for my Rochester accent. Okay. It sounds very Bostonian, but very nasally. And so there was a British exchange student in my school and so I mimicked her and so I sounded British for a couple of years because it was better than sounding like I was from Rochester that's amazing people are like are you from London you're like no no I'm not no right and I, for a while when I was an adult if I got tired or drunk I would sound Canadian or British that's so funny my New York comes out if I get tired so yeah. does your London ever come out even though you sometimes had to? people will say oh do you have an accent and I, I feel like it's a London that's Wisconsin mutt it's like a really strange mix of like the most kind of eloquent and then oh yeah I see you at the store the other day like it'll get get into that kind of well then blend. what on earth was it like growing up in Wisconsin uh, and then going through high school in Wisconsin with what I'm gonna assume is already an arty kind of a, a sensibility I'm assuming with what you've chosen to do with your life um, but you've already been to London well do you know what I'm saying does it, 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 it there's a perspective there you have the perspective of having lived abroad and now you're in Wisconsin to grow up yeah, I mean, for kids, I think I really didn't think I was going to be in Wisconsin that long. My sister and I took this ginormous thing of toilet paper, and we said, by the time this is done, we will be done with this place. Oh, I love that. Like one ginormous thing of toilet paper. It didn't, I mean, we agree with that. We don't intend to shit time. here forever. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they were like, only this. Um, so, I mean, as a kid, I, I really grew up in the theater. I went to a theater in London. My parents took me to this little puppet theater in London. And that's really my first memory is sitting on the pews at this London theater watching these puppets. At what time frame are we talking about? So I I was born in 81. So this must have been 82. But this is when The Muppet Show was being done in London. Like the actual Muppet Show. Do you remember The Muppet Show? Jim Henson's The Muppets? Yes, I do. The Muppet Show. Do you remember The Muppet Show? No, I don't remember. You probably were a, a, a child, child. Was it on TV? It was on, it was See, on my, television. And this is funny because my parents did not believe in television. Oh, wow. Like, I, I did not watch. Whereas it raised me. Okay. Yes. Well, a little different. Like, they just, I never watched television. Like, I think my first movie was Nell when I was Oof, 14 heavy. or that something. That was like 96. <laughs> yes. Yes. I mean, I oh saw Sesame God. Street. I did get to watch Sesame Street. So you were aware of the Muppets. Yes, I was aware of the Muppets, but wow. we really went to the theater all the time. And the, the, okay, so that's what I'm getting. So you didn't yeah. go to the Muppet Show in '81. No, okay, we okay. didn't. We didn't. But we saw a lot of beautiful marionettes, and it's not like the usual puppets. These puppets are so intricate, and they yeah. can move their toes even. 
we still quote them with when oh I'm my, with my parents. We still quote what like did they these. Say? Um, there was this one about this dog, and it's dog abuse, dog abuse. You asked me to count to ten with my cute little paws. It's abuse, dog abuse, and we'll like sit around and still sing it. Like, <laughs> I don't think I've ever told that story. That's so random. With musical accompaniment. <laughs> yes. See, That's my mom incredible. will be so proud. That is funny. That is funny. Holy cow. <laughs> All right. Well, all right. I was trying to see if there was a parallel there, but all right. So you, so, so was it the Muppet or the, this puppet show that got you into the theater or, cause I came up with theater as well. I mean, we're in a little black box theater right now for lack of no, a better purpose. No, And I love it. Like, this was it the make believe? So what was it? I think it was just the fact that you can travel to a different place. Like really <laughs> it's, it's funny. I have the book, a mermaid's guide, but my first one that I remember is the little mermaid in the marionette puppet theater. Oh, and these wow. tiny little wooden marionettes were floating through the audience. Did they do it the, this is the Disney show, the little mermaid? Or? Yeah, but it was the, the actual kind of, um, the original, the original, the, yeah, yeah. Tale of it. It wasn't any of the songs. Right. No, Sebastian. No, yeah. there wasn't Under the Sea. Right, right, right. Um, but there was always the tale of the siren and the. Yeah, so the Little Mermaid, and I don't remember the specifics of the plot or what they did with it, but I do remember. She wanted remember... to be up there. It's the same thing, right? She fell in love with a real person and. I think so. I, I, be... I don't know. I was so little. I just remember the mermaids and the bubbles. Like the bubbles oh. would float through the audience. Oh, and I wow. just, it was so magical. And I thought, this is incredible. And then when I did see the movies, for the first time, I thought, well, this is really, you can be transported to a different place in a way that, whoa, what is happening? What is happening? It's like my child, like, this is, am- I was like, what's that noise? Maybe it's a fan. Maybe it's- <gasps> Your face was incredible. <laughs> that was worth it. was amazing. Very few times people mention bubbles amazing. on the show, so I get to push that button. Well, maybe, I'm going to mention it a few more times, so you can get ready. <laughs> The bubble saga continues. That was incredible. Um, yeah, so I just grew up in the theater. I grew up in Wisconsin. It was actually great because if you said you wanted to direct a show, it's a small town. So my mom would be the director and sure. I would show up and actually get to direct the shows with my mom's help. But I mean, it's I It's a great grew way up- to learn the other uh, roles, though. Yeah, it was a great way to learn, and you you have such a community behind you, so you feel like you have this level of success that you maybe wouldn't get right away in London or a big city. Yeah. You know, people really will hire you to direct musicals when you're in high school. I agree, and I'm attached to all this stuff, but how did it change when you go to Wisconsin? Because I don't imagine that the scene was the same. Well, it wasn't the same as far as, you know, we weren't in big London theaters, but there are some beautiful theaters in Wisconsin. The Mabel Tanter Memorial Theater is a really old historic theater, okay. and I would act in shows there, and the State Theater was an amazing theater, and they do have a really good theatrical community there and okay. I would do shows at the middle school and high schools around and you know theater is theater whether I mean it felt the same to me whether it was you know for as a, a kid I think you're or, probably right it does feel the same because you don't really know the difference between a coach and first class you're just in a right. seat on a plane right you're just going yeah right right we're just going on a trip what's the difference right what could it matter um I just know from doing different towns even that the talent pool was significantly different and then somehow that equated to my level of interest in the product like what we're putting out is really mm-hmm. good i'm into it i'm gonna give it my all and then it's like ah it's another one maybe not everybody was giving their all it had yes. nothing to do with what their abilities were but they weren't giving it their all yeah the commitment wasn't there and mm-hmm. mine was so that would sort of i would separate now yeah. i'm assuming when you got to wisconsin that you've got all you know you're ready to go because you've got this background did everyone else or were you kind yeah of, okay great awesome yeah no everyone that's what's a like, surprise to me yeah, everyone was really – we had a really big theater group, um, and I would do sports and theater, so I was a little oh, bit wow. of the odd ball out, but everyone was so it kind of kind. fit in everywhere, probably. Right, yeah, kind of just would go around to each group, and we had an amazing theater group, and everyone really – I mean, we thought we were on Broadway. Wait, we weren't on We weren't on Broadway. Good for you. That's oh, the right man. attitude, though. Yeah. the right uh, attitude. You always pretend you are performing on Broadway. What, was, what were some of the uh, shows you did? We did Come Blow Your Horn – I don't know that And uh, it was my first kiss on stage in high school. Mm. Well. Yes. And the, <laughs> and the uh, director was like, hmm, not good. Not good. And I'm like, well, oh. I, don't, I don't know what I'm doing. Uh, about the kiss? I, not about good? the kiss. Oh. Yeah. Well, I didn't know. Sure. I thought you just like pressed up and went. 
Like, and and what know. do you do? Well, you're supposed to move a little bit more, I guess. I don't know. I'm still trying to figure it out. My husband's a really good kisser, so maybe he can, you know, break oh, it down. Where the but education came from. Yeah. Too. Well, and but it was so awkward to have your first kiss on stage. Like, it was, it's so and strange. How old, how old were you? Let's think. I that must have been in a freshman in yeah, 14 high school. on stage. Uh-uh, I'm, That's tricky. Nope. Yeah, super Sounds tricky. Bad. You don't need the criticism. There's either. no winning anyway. There's no like nailed yeah. it. <laughs> nailed it. That was the it's one. It's just awkward. Steve, you know. From yeah, the, <laughs> super awkward. So that was that was my first romance. Okay. So what other show? What other uh, pr- uh, productions? Um, we did. Let's see, we did a lot of them. I'm trying to think what. I don't mean to come blow your spot. horn. No, it's just been so long since I've thought about them. All right. I well, mean, after that, then. Well, we did. Um, I directed one called "This Is a Test," which I wrote in the middle school. Um, you I wrote, wrote the play. You I wrote, wrote the, the play. Um, it pairs with another play, so I kind of wrote a prequel to the play. I was like, "Why not? I can write a prequel to this man's play." <laughs> Holy I thought what was kind of great about Wisconsin. No one look at you cross-eyed. They're like, "You sure you want to write a play and put it up?" Okay, let's do it. And I'm like, "Okay, oh, great, go for it. Let's do it." That's awesome. Uh, yeah, it was kind of great. So we did Wizard of Oz. We did mm. Cinderella. We did. I mean, just. So many shows. Did you so see that uh, just recently? There was a high school production of Alien. No. What yeah, and they got James alien? Cameron's stamp of approval afterwards and what? everything. They had the whole Alien. Uh, I don't remember. Kevin, do you know? That's do you remember? So did you see that? That's awesome. No kidding. Oh, that's a right. <laughs> that's wild. No, we didn't do anything that intense. I did love. We did Neil Simon, mm-hmm. and that's love intense. Neil love Neil Simon. Love. I will say. What's your favorite? Um. Do you have one? It's hard. It's hard. Mine is a not a popular favorite. My favorite would be by far Murder by Death. Okay. That's a good one. Yeah, I've never seen it in play form, but That's the movie one. is just all star <laughs> cast is fantastic. I don't even know if it was in a play form, but the, it was written, it, this movie was done with by a script uh, uh, done by Neil Simon. Yeah. But Murder by Death. Oh, it's so good. Oh, so, so good. good. I met. Um, Peter Sellers, Peter Falk, everybody's in that movie. It's so mm-hmm. great. Maggie uh, Smith. Oh, yeah. I don't think I've seen it. Peter, but I met uh, Neil Coco. Simon. Out here a couple times Whoa. before he passed, Royalty. and that was like one of the most awesome. amazing experiences. I'm like, I'm sitting around talking to Neil Simon. Did he? Did he get? Did he get it? Did he get who he was? Well, there are certain people, and I'm, I'm asking almost Gene Rodberry. He's like that for me. And along either the same lines. his wife or himself introduced himself as Neil Simon, and it, you know what I'm saying, or <laughs> yeah. something, because I knew somehow. And then I kind of walked away for a moment, and I went back to the same house. Well, I went home and talked to my husband. I'm like, I think I just met Neil Simon. Oh, man. Like, it was so trippy. And then I went back and actually had a conversation about baseball. We were, like, at this beach house talking about swimming. Like, it was crazy. Brighton Beach, probably, by any like, chance? Star, I was starstruck for a moment. I don't get sure. starstruck very often, but, like, Neil Simon is just yeah, such we don't a legend. Need to, that would maybe not Well, he's not a star. That's why. Me up. Yeah. You know what I mean? He's not a yeah. Brad Pitt. Nobody knows what he looks like, unless you'd like him. Well, unless you like him. But once you've read all of his work, you kind of geek out because you feel like you have this bond to him yeah Yeah. anyway so that was cool you're deep you're very deep well i I don't am i deep i don't know i feel i feel deep sometimes you're bonding with neil simon yes that was very cool Hmm. i will say one of the one of the fun adventures of la right you know you just how was it just bumping into somebody at a party you mean no i was uh so the book of mermaids got a i teach swimming i travel around the globe teaching well, talk about swimming this. lessons. Seriously? Well, yeah. So Rebel is my company, and we have a couple different branches. So in the winters, do we talk about this first, or Rebel, or well, it, so we should tell combined. people what Rebel is. It's combined. Okay. All right. Well, well I'll, I'll let you do it then. Rebel is my company, and it's pronounced Rebel, RBL, relaxation-based lifestyle. Mm. What Rebel does is it helps bring people relaxation through laughter, or in this case, insight about the pool, because people feel like fear things that. They don't really understand. Right. So in the same way that when I'm producing a film, I bring calmness to people and help run things in a smooth way. Yes. I do that it's same thing the energy, in the right? pool. Yeah, all about the energy. Bringing Flow. calmness to unexpected places. Film sets aren't really known for being very peaceful and loving, whereas on my sets, I really strive to say, hey, look, we're kindness first. Like, we're humans first. We're going to make a great project. And everyone performs better when they feel like they're in a safe space. Mm -hmm. And that's the same with swimming. The kids feel better when they know that I will hold them and I will keep them safe. Yeah. So Rebel does 
this kind of breeding of calmness in unexpected places in different parts. So Rebel Publishing has a mermaid's guide. Rebel Studios does the film and television side, and we have a TV show coming out. We'll talk about that later. But so um, you self self published? Yeah. So I have a book agent, and we did explore wow. other other routes with it. Well, this appeals to me. What with what we're doing, yes. self production, I love it. Yeah, and I. I was going to put it out myself because I I wasn't interested in playing. The I whole wouldn't have publishing known. Game. I wouldn't have known that holding this um, this Thank this you. item in my hand though this this product I wouldn't have known that oh yeah they just put this out herself you know what I mean this is a real book this yes is it put was together a, and bound professionally <laughs> yeah it was a journey I mean I did I did hire people to help me in the process designing the cover and I did a lot of research on how do publishing companies work because I like. I kind of like discovering how to do something. So I said, if I'm going to open a publishing company, because I have other books that I would like to put out in the way that I would like to see them. And it really comes down to the same way a film, you get a distributor, they're going to have a say in what your poster is, sure. what it looks like. And I talked to a lot of publishers and bless them, but they had a very different vision. They didn't like the title. They wanted a picture with kid and the water wings on the cover. Sure. And because of the quotes and the clients that I have endorsing the book, I couldn't sign off on a contract that said you can do whatever you want just whatever it's fine I was like I'm not interested in having the book not be beautiful and the way I like it mm -hmm. and if you're not willing to say that I get 100% control of that for this product I'm just going to put it on myself because I was ready to go anyway right so it's been a journey learning about how to publish a book and how to open a publishing branch sure. but I kind of like it like I like that journey of it's trying wonderfully to wonderfully exciting I would imagine and plus yes. learning anything new learning anything but, new but is great having a skill where I mean this once you know how to do this once as yeah. long as you can yeah. fill more of these you've got a business <laughs> yes we ha I, have, I have three more in the works and then also a poetry book that's called where the sanity ends for parents with toddlers which where can people get this all the usual places Amazon is the best place Amazon. there's hardcover I did a Book signing at Barnes and Noble. So Barnes and Noble at cool. the Grove has some signed hardcovers. Um, yeah, but Amazon's a good place, and I just got done with the Audible. So Ooh. in probably two weeks, the Audible will come. Did out. you do it yourself? I did it myself. How is that to do? I've heard I've heard mixed. I loved it. I have a good friend, Stephanie Bentley, who has a studio, kind of like you guys, in her room. Oh, that's um, great. It's so, so great. So you didn't have to go to some cold place with somebody you don't know and all that stuff. No, and she she taught me how to do it, which I always love knowing how to record myself or how to do it myself because then gain the skill yeah you gain the skill Same so reason. i recorded i recorded it one time and got about halfway through and then my book agent was like well don't do that let's try and sell someone and someone will produce it for you so i stopped and then i got busy on the tv show and i i just paused and then circle back to the beginning of this year and i i told my agent i'm like look i'm gonna put it out in march so you have until march to get something that i approve of or i'm just gonna you can have my next book I'll do this one myself. And then I, I put it out and it was already done. So it was great. And I didn't have time to circle back to the Audible. So I just now circled back to the Audible. But this is only recently out though, right? Didn't this only yeah, come out in Yeah, a couple May? months ago. Yeah. So this is brand new, I would say. from doing what was great, I think life sometimes kind of gives you windows when you're ready to have that yeah. window, right? Like I believe it kind in of, this very much so, yes. Yeah, it gives you that time when it's ready for that thing to be birthed, whatever it is. So through doing the book the timing signings, is everything. I mean, I've heard that since I was a little kid. Timing is everything. Yeah, the timing of stuff and how if we don't struggle against life so hard to make things happen when we want them to happen, if we just kind of float in it, it'll give you the opportunities. And through doing the book signings and so much press and publicity for the book, I realized that the Audible didn't really have my voice in it. It felt very oh. kind of just kind of formal as I listened to it back, which wasn't how, and I got some great feedback from people. They're like, just talk how you talk on the shows and talk how you talk. They want you to be natural, right? Yeah. Just and I was trying you. so right. hard to be perfect. Right. I was like this audible, I can't have any breaths and I have right. to make sure every word is perfect. Do you listen to audiobooks? I love, love audiobooks. It's about, for me, I listen, I love audiobooks because I love getting the voice of the narration from the author. Yes. So I totally see what people... Because you're getting their personality. They, yeah. don't, you don't, they don't want you to be perfect. They don't. They yeah. Do you way. find in those audibles the ones that are the best are the ones that, yeah, you can get that flavor and they're not trying too hard to make the book perfect. I don't know, right? Like yes. it feels like you want to I get their to vibe. Their, their energy comes through. And that to me set is another layer to whatever they're writing. And so, you can hear the way they would say it. Yeah. Yeah. I think we used to use the term overproduced. 
Mm. You know what I mean? In music mm-hmm. or in film or U2 radio and the same thing. It's like yeah. they're overproduced. Yeah. Yeah. So, so I, I overproduced if, my first one, 100%. Rookie mistake, right? Rookie that's, mistake. That's any stand-up comedian going up to the mic for the first time. Hey, everybody! Yeah, <laughs> yeah. What's up? Hey, what's up? Speaking at the top of your register and the whole thing. Yeah, totally overproduced. So so you got it down to normal, and it's your voice for the audio. That's yes. incredible. So I redid it, and, and, I, and I think sometimes it's hard to, you feel so much time. Like I spent hours doing the first one, hours. But to be able to say, look... I didn't waste my time. I learned so many crucial things during that process. And now I can redo it in a way that is better. If you even need to. Whatever. I love that your process – there's a book behind you, House Industries, and their slogan is the process is the inspiration. And it's something I live behind very, very boldly because when I was a kid, I wanted everything to be perfect. I was Mm -hmm. like, oh, so I wouldn't do it. I wait till whatever. And I was missing opportunities by not doing whatever – not going after whatever the heck it was. Just get – Get on the train. Yes. You know what I mean? You, you, you'll you get it moving. The process is the inspiration. So yes. the fact that you went and did it once is why you were able to go back and do it right the second time. Exactly. And that's that a, I have a funny story about the the um, how we feel sometimes. Like we're going to miss something if we do something else. When I booked oh, the FOMO. legend. Yeah, FOMO. FOMO, right? Yeah. She used to have that. I, oh, really? You're Very a FOMO badly. recoverist? Yes. Recovery? Recovering FOMO. Recovering FOMO. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, when I booked the legend of Bruce Lee and I was going to be out of the country for months shooting this show, I told one of my actor friends, I'm like, I just booked, I just booked Linda Lee in this show about Bruce Lee. And he's like, well, are you going to take it? I'm like, yeah, I'm going to take it. And he's like, but then you'll be out of the game for like five months. I'm like, what? What? I just won the game. That was the game. You know, it's like this idea that you're so scared you're going to miss out on something. That's everything. I don't know. Every, better than being Bruce Lee's wife? I was like, what are you talking about? For a 50 about? episode guarantee, right? Yeah. Wasn't it 50? It was 50, yeah. I mean, that is crazy. a hell of a deal. Yeah. So this Everyone's idea, got different games. And I so feel like that, that was the game, you know? Make so your own soup. Yeah. Yeah. All right. Well, we should talk a little bit about your acting, too, then. My goodness, you've done a lot of stuff. I don't understand how you got from Wisconsin to either New York or L.A., though, so... <laughs> What happened to get you from Wisconsin, where you were doing theater stuff, to being in Hollywood motion pictures and TV shows and stuff? I called my sister, and I said, I'm going to drive to L.A. Would you like to come with me? And she said, nah, okay. She's really easygoing. She's like, whatever. But what about you? How did you get there? Well, we drove. No, but where did that come from? You know what I mean? Where did that inspiration and the courage, the courage? I always knew I wanted to. I was at Northwestern and I was doing theater there. And for some reason, I grew up in the theater, but it wasn't, I wasn't clicking in the way that there's a lot of amazing actors who come out of Northwestern. And it wasn't clicking in a way that I felt like it made sense for me. And I started on a short film that somebody had auditions for, actually shot on film. This was a day, like shot on real film. Yeah. Yeah. Which was cool. And they've got a budget. Well, or they don't thing. because they there was no choice kind of at, at this time. Oh, I see your point. Yeah, if you it wanted was, to make something. It was on. It film. was on film. I gotcha. So, I did this woman's short film, and I thought, ah, this makes sense. I know where the audience is. I know how to. I know how to feel something. So, and if the camera's here, it makes sense. Or if the camera's there, it makes sense. Is it, it just about made being sense. right sized, or is it just because it's one on one, you and the camera versus? having an audience to play to I think just because it was so intimate okay whereas with the audience because we would do the Greeks and they were like you have to play to the back of the house and then we would do to be much smaller much yeah smaller. we do you know a, a Neil Simon and we'd have to have that comedy but it would have to both be real and translate I found it a well, little I, bit I equate it to hard. the main room and close-up magic you know what I mean? Close-up magic yeah. is right here. It's, it's being done right before you. It's very subtle. There's all yeah. sorts of crazy things going on right before you versus that guy's – you know, you almost need binoculars to – but I get the gist of it. Yes. Is so, there any kind of – Yes, and I felt like in a way that if I'm feeling something on film, you just feel it. And as long as you're authentic in what you're feeling, it picks up. And I would do That's that in magic. acting class, and the teacher would be like, we can't see you in the back. And I'm like <laughs> – well, how am I, what's that mean? How am I supposed to do this so you can see me in the back feeling this intimate emotion? So Sit for me, closer. They, yeah, come in the front. <laughs> you can see me in the front. The first row's got These a good are open. view. The front These row's are, open. <laughs> the front row's good. It's not like a movie. So I just always wanted to go to LA because I really liked, I really liked the medium. It yeah. just made sense. I would do 
classes and acting class. And instead of doing the blocking like I would when I used to direct a play, I would do storyboards to where I thought the camera would be in the scenes so I could do the scene properly in so a way that made sense. you then all of a sudden. So I'm sure you were delivering wonderfully. I got – I mean – in the acting classes? Yes, I'm sure you were delivering the work wonderfully because you were so effing prepared to the point where you knew your physical space better than anyone else in the room. Yeah, by senior yeah. year, I had figured out a method that worked for me that translated properly. Yes, yes. Um, so that was great. And then yeah, I came to Then you to moved like, to a different room. And then I moved to a different room. And <laughs> L.A. actually was quite different. I think people – I come from such an arty background. I think the hardest thing coming to L.A. was to realize that so much of it is a business and so much of what you do – I would go into rooms just – what I'd wear to acting class, like all black, you know, like sweatpants and a shirt. I'm like, sure. I'm acting. We're going to all feel I'm going to be <laughs> right. a 90-year-old woman Stella today. Stella Adler's coming yes, in behind me. Sure. I, I shall do this beautifully. And really what I learned is like meeting with agents. Some of it, you have to pay attention to your image and they're not going to make that for you. They want you to embody what you're auditioning for, not be in you know, black sweat. They don't want to have to. They don't want to do the work. Imagine it. And I get they it because it's it. fast. And I understand because I've been on the other sure. side of the casting. And it's, you don't know what someone is capable unless you see it 100% in front of you when you're moving like that. Right. You're giving them a blank canvas and they're looking for the art. They're looking for exactly what they need yeah. because that's what their job is. And they have to move fast and they don't want to put themselves at risk if they're not 100% Absolutely. sure. Absolutely. Which is also why actors can't get roles that they haven't done before. Because when you're trying to get a new role and you're like, well, I can do it. They're like, well, what do you, have you done it? It's right. like, well, no, but that's the point. Right. There's, so, there's so much stuff riding on this. We can't take a chance. Yeah, there's it's so a little much money hard. It's a little yeah. hard. But in a, in a good way, from doing the castings, I just, you know, you can't take it personally. It just, you're going to be right for what you're right for. But I, I will say that's why I like producing films, too, because I can, like in... Um, Strangely in Love, I play a blind girl who is so unlike me. She doesn't talk like me. She doesn't act like me. She doesn't think like me. And when you produce a film and you work with the director so intensely and we workshopped, oh, it's just like the theater again. Yeah. You got to go back and just, yeah, and like explore the characters and get into the script. And we were adapting Dostoevsky's White Nights mm. into a comedy. <laughs> <laughs> so it's like Charlie Chaplin meets Dostoevsky and they're like blended up. Yeah, it's like, so it was cool. It was very theatrical in a way. And a lot of the shots are all in one shot, one take. Oh, okay. So it kind of brought me back to my roots. Sure. We had a lot of rehearsal time and really wow. got to dig back in. I think in. of Birdman on that one. They did a lot of that. Yeah. Oh, yeah. I love Birdman. That's one of my favorites. Yeah. Yes. But I thought some that of was the, so good. They tackled some of the same type of things with the long walk and talks. And yes. Yeah. Which really lets you breathe with the characters and also as challenging as an actor because you have to hit all the highs and lows properly. That's what I was going to say. It's 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 one it's one take. It's one take. You got to hit everything. And on a good note, we did get to rehearse. Whereas a lot of the times you show up on set and you can do it a few times and mix it up, and then they'll edit together a nice combination of those. But I I, I really like the rehearsal process. Yeah. So you can really find those naturally. And then they tape it all in one. Yeah, all in one. We'd have like three minute takes. The whole ending at the end scene of Strangely in Love. Like the climax is one take, except for one cut where they punched in on his face. But it, it could have I don't even count that as a cut. That's a. It's just like tighter, one time to you know? see his expression. Could have been a digital push. You nobody. And then know. and then we pop back out, which was really fun. Um, I love what you're saying. I, I resonate with it very much so because that's this wouldn't be fun for me if we shot it on five cameras and then took it into a room and edited it later into a perfect thing. This is fun to me because we shoot it live on tape for an hour or what, however long we go. And it is, however it is. Do you yeah. know what I'm saying? Yeah, like yeah. I, if you accidentally say something wrong, like unless it's something where you really want me to take it out, like right. it's going to be in Yeah, because that's normal and that's natural and it's right. not overproduced like we were talking about before. For me, I want to see all that stuff. I, I, it's part of the magic for yes. me. Yes. You're mm -hmm. the same way? Yeah. Totally. Yeah, so I don't know. I, I find that whatever you, you'll want to be perfect, whether it was the voiceover or, or the acting or producing or whatever, I just find that the perfection's in the imperfection. For me, yes. anyway. Yeah, yeah, and for yeah. most artists. Mm -hmm. And we're the ones kind of making this thing happen anyway. You know what yeah, I mean? The bean counters come in and monetize it. I think that's why people, or at least I liked acting, is it was the one space. And now I've been able to take what I like about acting into other spaces in my life. But it was the one time where I didn't want to be anywhere else. Mm -hmm. Like I was so, it was almost like meditative in the way that you're so connected with where you're at that you 
you don't want to be anywhere else. And I didn't for a long time have anything else that I felt that way about. Okay. And now with Rebel, I'm, I look at how do we pull that kind of, you know, Zen state or connectiveness into every single day, into every single part of your day. And a lot of it is just discovering how to vacation within and say, mm. even if I'm doing something I don't want to do right now, I do have a choice. And maybe I don't like redoing the Adobe formatting on this book for the 53rd time, <laughs> but I don't have to be doing it right now. Right. I'm wanting to be here. I want to do this. I literally don't have to do this right now. So I kind of ask myself those questions and then I can just really focus and be in the moment right. in a way that I was with acting and now I am with so many more things in life, especially with children. You can't really, you know, you have to be present, which is so great with children. Was there a, was there a, for lack of a better term, a tipping point at any point where you, you were always doing this art stuff and whatever, and then it seems, I mean, by, by this art stuff, I mean acting, uh, uh, theater and TV and film, but it seems like you, at some point you took a, a turn to mm -hmm. go into wellness, and I mean, certainly the thoughts behind this book and the fundamental uh, the fundamental um, um, whatever behind uh, the relaxation based lifestyle these to me are more about being mindful more about mm -hmm. being very present more about meditation more about figuring yourself out doing the work within mm -hmm. one's self so that they're then ready to be a good person for the rest of the world um, did anything happen to you or was it just a natural progression through life where oh I hit a certain age and this is the day I'm going to start working on this stuff a few I, I didn't ask happened. a question yeah. there very well. No, but no, do, do I you know totally understand. And, and I have a little trajectory through it. So through The Legend of Bruce Lee, I got done with that show when I really thought, well, now I was going to make it as an actor. Like I did this whole series. I played Bruce Lee's wife. I came back to L.A. I'm like, da-da-da-da. Set up ready to go. No sure, yeah. No one cared. <laughs> and then the writer's strike happened in 2008. So all of a sudden the roles that I was getting now were going to big name actors. And instead of taking that as a bad thing, Ian, Elm, Ian Nelms, Esham Nelms, had a feature film that they wanted to direct and they had written called Lost on Purpose. And at the time I was going to act in it, but they needed a producer. And they said, hey, Michelle, will you produce this? And you I said- You already taught yourself how to do that. Well, no, this was the first one. Oh. This was the first one. Oh my, okay. So I said, of course not. That sounds like a horrible idea. I don't have any idea how to do that. I'm talent, a different skill set. Totally different right. skill set. But I resisted and then we didn't have any choice. Yep. So it was great though because I liked the process of learning how to do something. So I read a lot of books. I asked a lot of questions. I met with our lawyer. I just dug in yeah. and I didn't know what I didn't know. So I didn't know you were supposed to have like 35 people behind the scenes. I was doing all of those jobs from accounting to transpo to whatever. Our makeup artist, bless her, was driving transpo for me. Mm. I was like, we don't have anyone else. I don't know what to do. <laughs> so through That's the process- That's as low process, budget non-union as it gets. Oh yeah. That's the real deal. But we got great actors. James Lafferty from One Tree Hill, Jane Kaczmarek from Welcome oh, in the I Middle, Thomas Howell. He's wonderful. All Amazing. So I really got a crash course in talking to the big agencies and booking big talent. And the biggest thing that I would do, which I wasn't kind of aware of at the time, but what this is, also doing is just staying calm in a tense situation mm. and making sure everyone feels safe and taken care of. And as long as everyone felt that, the set was great. Everyone thing ran. Everything it's all anyone Everything wants. was Everything great. Out, yeah. Yes. I only broke down crying one time when I was trying to clean out the excrement, whatever, the poop from the trailer. And we didn't have anyone to do that. And I couldn't get it out. And that's the only time I really had a meltdown. I was like, I can't get it out. <laughs> I can't get it out. It was horrible. <laughs> so I survived that. It's a true story. Ian had to come out and rescue me. He's like, you're okay. You're okay. Um, but through that, that process, I learned that you don't need permission to produce or do anything. Right. It was anything. really empowering in that yeah. way. I was like, oh, I can just learn how to do it and just do it. That's, That's awesome. That's a great equalizer in life, isn't it? Yeah. Because you're using it for producing, but it applies everywhere. Applies everywhere. I mean, same with the the book same yeah. with this studio yeah, you, got you it. know it's just like i think we sometimes wait for someone to like christen us we're waiting for someone to say yes you can do this because yes, you've you always wanted it. to and you're gonna get to and do it now yep. and here's your shot and here it doesn't no you, if you want it go do it go do it and sometimes it does happen like with the bruce lee thing they're like yes we have christened you you can go do it and i was like great this is how life works i maintain that was a result of the work you had done previously 
Say it one more time. You wouldn't have gotten that if you hadn't done so much work oh, previously. You, yes. You paid your dues. You worked in theater. You did a lot of other things before you got that job. That's true. And I also though, come out of nowhere. feel like with those shows, you have such, or anytime you get a part in something, you have such a blessing that you get to show up and do your art in a way that, you know, someone's behind the scenes and hadn't slept for three months. Yeah. And, you know, it was really busting it to try and you know figure everything out and you could just get to come in so i do feel like that's such like a gift in a way even though you worked hard to get there Absolutely. it's still such a beautiful gift to have so lost on purpose then i produced strangely in love again another project i was going to act in and they needed a producer and i said let me do it and he was like no because i just want you to act and i said we're not going to find somebody who can produce this for the budget and that movie we shot that movie feature film for forty thousand dollars oof Wow. Not a single Whoa. person got paid on that other than Amanda Plummer, who is amazing and came in. And there's four people in the play. No one, not crew member. It was literally a, a act of love for every single member of that team. Now, you can't do that all the time. And people are like, oh, you should pay people. Well, not when we're all just making a piece of art. Right. Like, that's what it was. Everyone was just there to make a piece of art. Right. As long as everyone knows that this isn't the one that's and paying we, the bills, and then you're fine. And people would come to us. They're like, sure. can we do this? I'm like, sure, we're doing this. And it was such – and no one – because there was no money, that, that entity was removed. Mm -hmm. Everyone was so There's so much happy. love when there's no alternate agenda. Yes. It's incredible. It's incredible. You know, so to be able to – and that's really – now what I try and separate in my life is like things are not connected to money. Money is a separate entity that has nothing separate to resource, do yeah. with whatever we're doing. Agreed. Um, you work for whatever you work for and the money comes. And the money is just a separate flow. Um, yeah. So in that film, that was great. And then right after that, I got pregnant. And I had Trayton, who's my son, my older son. And then I got pregnant again and had Evelyn, who's my daughter, and during that time, my husband was still writing and directing, and I would do little roles in that. But with two young babies, it really changes. Now I didn't want to spend a day driving to an audition because sure. I had a toddler and I was breastfeeding, and it really complicated things in a way that sure. I became uninterested. Well, we have friends who just had their second, and they everybody says the same thing. It's not like just times two. It's no, times it's 26. Exponential. Yeah. Yeah. Exponential. That's what they said, too. Yeah, it sounds you nuts. Don't quite <laughs> grasp until it happens. But it's great now. It's great now. They're buddies, so they can, you know, hang out. Well, how and old are they now? Four and six. Oh, good for you. Okay, sure. Yeah, and now we can go places, and I'm not Now sweating. they're close enough where they can kind of start doing the same thing? Yeah, and they're, they're good buddies. They play, and they, you know, really entertain each other, and they're, okay. they're great. So when they were one and three, we did a film called Small Town Crime with Octavia Spencer, John Hawks, Anthony Anderson, John Hawks. Can I say my S's? Anthony Anderson. <laughs> and I hear my I hear my Linda Gates, my uh, speech teacher at Northwestern. My nickname was Misty in college. And she'd go, Misty, that was horrible. <laughs> like I can hear her every time I say my S's. <laughs> Thank you, Linda. Um, so John Hawks, Anthony Anderson, and uh, my husband wrote and directed. And I helped with. We haven't said your husband's name yet, should Ian we? Ian Nelms. Ian Nelms. Ian Nelms and Ashram Nelms. Great writing, directing. Team. You mentioned them before separately. I didn't know if that was the connection was made for everyone else. Yes, okay. yes. So they write and direct together, and I help with the producing. So I helped Great. with the produce on the producing end of Small Town Crime. But back to this cool idea of being able to, once you can do that, is the character that I play in Small Town Crime is John Hawks' girlfriend. And I have a mohawk. It's nothing like my usual energy. You know, when you're in the process, you now don't just have to play yourself in different situations because that's what you're cast at. You can say, hey, you let me talk. It. Yeah, you can kind of like dig in and make something cool and explore interesting. Explore a little bit. And explore a little bit. That's yeah. That's kind of cool. Yeah, it was great. More like an exercise. More like an exercise. Even though you're putting it into the art. Yeah, and you can do something. The role wasn't written like that. It was written bartender or, you know, whatever. You know, so you can kind of... Stretch out. And but John that's how the magic great. happens. That's the artistic creative process. Yeah, and John was so fun. The other p fun part about being on set and helping was John would be like, hey, Michelle, you want to run lines? And I'm like, sure, John Hawks. Yes, I do. <laughs> yes, John Hawks. Thank you. And we would talk about the character and why these two people would have met or what they liked or what their interest sure. was to make that relationship make sense in a way that if i just come on for a day role without that... You have time to build the backstory, it yeah. sounds like. That's so... Yeah, which is I great. Back to the fact, I guess, that I like rehearsals. It's all about layers, right? 
Yeah, all me, about the, the layers. Just, you were noticing, you mentioned yeah. the studio and all the different the details. Yeah. For me, it's all of the layers. The layers are what make, I don't know, what makes something interesting, whether it's a person or a, a, an architect or, you know, whatever. Yeah, and you and then you can you can dig in in the first layer, and then as you look around more, you notice more stuff. Like that little quote, life is but a dream over there that I just noticed. And, you know, like all the little layers that you can my keep digging into. My favorite movies in the history of my life are the ones that I still to this day can watch over and over and d- uh, discover something new in. Yes. You know what I mean? Yeah, yeah. So to me, it's all about the same thing, the layers and people who are interesting to me the, the same way and anything, mm-hmm. anything. Yeah, so those... Shallow I, stuff I like doesn't really interest me. I would have, that's what I was saying before. You're, you're mm-hmm. kind of deep. I, oh. I feel like you're similar in, in that. Well, thank you. I will, I will take that and hold it close. I appreciate that. And I feel that same way with, with you all. And I, I think when you find people who kind of like that kind of stuff, you naturally sort of... Gravitate. Gravitate. Yeah. Well, I, that's the energetic thing, yeah. right? You're all pulled together. I read this uh, book once, and I can't remember what it was, but they said... That if you can tap into that sort of life stream energy, you will feel like every day you're on drugs or – Oh, yeah, sure. Well, is, you're high on life really, right? Yes, but I, I – oh, wait. We got so sidetracked to how Rebel worry, even we're, started. Okay. Yeah, no, we're going to But this the... cues into it. So okay. I spent a lot of time <laughs> fighting upstream, like being – frustrated by things that I couldn't control. And even though I was always very good at creating calm in the pool. We're leading up to that set. tipping point. Yes. I knew it. Yes. See, we're finally back to that. We, we went a full circle around the block and I'm we're in. here. But this idea that I was, it's such a, it can be such a frustrating industry in a way that I spent way too much time feeling things that are not helpful mm. in any way. And with the swimming lesson. So in the summer, I travel globally teaching children this very specific, serene, meditative type of, type of swim lesson. So it's really encompassing mind, body, spirit. How do we take children and teach them to overcome problems in the pool like a little microcosm for life? So it's a very specific time type of swim lesson. And my husband did it for years. That's how we paid the bills. And then we would go make make our movies in the in the winter. And so with this book, I I really don't know if I would have written a book had the bigger goal of this just been, if I can save one child with this book, it will be worth the hours and months and years of toil. Because I don't know if I would have spent that much time writing a book that didn't have the capabilities to save one child because the drowning statistics are frightening. It's the number one cause of accidental death for kids ages one to four over car accidents. And I thought... This is the most heartbreaking thing. And I can I can fix this problem in some way. So that's how that book came to be. But back but, to the tipping point is the fact that through these lessons, in a very small way, I had learned how never to feel stress, how to not let anything waver me. Mm-hmm. I mean, I had these twins throw up like, I don't know, Taco Bell down my back one time. And it was just like the most <laughs> slimy, disgusting thing ever. And if I cannot let that bother me... <laughs> I can do that in life. I don't have to be bothered by Taco Bell slime. Like, and it literally doesn't bother me in the pool. I get kids who punch me in the face, who kick me, who scream because they're scared. And when you look at those as like, they're not doing it to be mean. Just like life life sometimes I feel like kicks you in the face. It's, they're not doing it. It's just part of it. And everything is beautiful in the water. Every child is going to be great. And they are. So I learned how to do that in the pool. And my husband said, well, you've learned how to do that in the pool just expand it out into everyday life. And about three years ago, I started the Rebel Diaries, which I haven't done anything with yet. But that process of taking what I do in the pool and feeling that same sense of calmness, it's like a calm but a control because in the water, I'm 100% in control of the process, even though I'm not in control of what happens necessarily, what the kids' emotions are, what's happening. So to be able to take that and tip it into everyday life is really why I, I really dug into the holistic side of everything and how to create and already feel like I feel like we're so stuck on getting to a certain point like (laughs) I want to get here and then yeah and and then then, my life will be great yes but there will never be this or get this yes once I get to this point then I'll be happy. Yeah. Then I'll be calm. I'll then have I'll done be fulfilled. It. Life will be right. great. Yeah. And does not work that does way. Does not work no, that way. Never. It's, it's all the same. Whether I'm 
whatever it is, whether I'm working on a really low budget film or a big budget film or whatever, it's just the doing doesn't change. Do you know Jim Carrey at all in any way? I mean, I know of him. Okay. Um, You know, he's probably changed his career trajectory in the last few years as he's whatever changed his paths on life. Mm-hmm. Um, he wishes for everyone their greatest success, their greatest dreams, achievements, anything you've ever wanted out of life. He mm-hmm. wishes you could have it so that you could see immediately that that doesn't change a goddamn thing. It doesn't yeah. do anything. If you've mm-hmm. got $20 million in the bank or whatever, it doesn't change anything. You have to change you if you want your life to be different. And I, by yeah. that, I mean the experience that you experience. Yeah. You know what I mean? Yeah, and in the same way that the show is so amazing and you created it, you know, you weren't waiting for someone to say, let me build the show for you. I with was, this. I waited for 20 years and then oh. I got tired of waiting. See? <laughs> See and how cool. That was my tipping point. Yeah. yeah. Sure. And then how cool, you know, to be able to do it. Like I wanted a studio. I'm like, I want a studio to shoot a lot of the things. So yep. I was like, well, I'll just go Let's to my basement and paint a wall and build a studio. How hard can it be? Yeah. We'll just, we just can do it. Which is cool. And I think sometimes... You're not afraid of trying things. You're not afraid of getting in and trying something new, which you've said a few times here. Mm -hmm. In fact, you enjoy that process. I like that. I think that's what I like most. So do I. But I know that it's because it makes me bigger and better or whatever in the end. Do you... You know what I mean? Like Mm -hmm. it makes me more capable, more able to... more able to keep my calm head on in an experience that I've never experienced. Mm-hmm. Um, do you, are, is that you too? Are you the same kind of person? Yeah, I think I like solving problems and I like That's the challenge. A bit of it, yeah. And I like once I know how to do something really well, I get a little bored in a way that yeah, I'm trying here. to figure out right and yeah. trying to figure out how I can advance, keep doing it. Right, it's got to keep getting in a different better. way. Absolutely. Yeah, and it's nice to know how to do something. Like, I certainly know how to teach swimming lessons, but as I was teaching, because I was pregnant and had kids and I wasn't working as much in the industry, instead of just sitting there and going, okay, I know how to teach the swim lessons, I was thinking, okay, what am I doing during these lessons that, what is working? Right. What is working? And I'm going to start writing this down so I can help other people do it. I wasn't just stopping, even though, I mean, my, my business is word of mouth. I don't need to do this book for any other reason that I really, truly hope every parent can teach their child to swim. because. Right. Well, and like you said, even if you save one. Even, Even if, if I you save help one, one if I help one child, because yeah. I, I see it. those drowning things and I pull over to my car and I cry because I know what capable, what children are capable of in the water. It's so funny to me because you're, you're, you, you're saying all the same stuff, but I am looking at this much more as a life guide, much more mm. than just learning how to swim. Once you learn how to swim and you know that you can do that, then you can handle everything else. Yeah. That's the rest. That's the, the you know, and in life. And in life. To me, it's... <laughs> The drowning is almost inconsequential. It's a wonderful problem that you're helping solve a little bit. But what you're really doing, to me, is more important is setting kids up for a healthy life. Yes. Mm-hmm. To me, that is so much more important than whether or not they know how to swim. <laughs> right. And I agree. And No, no. It's so true in a way that – You're solving that a multi- bunch of problems. I think it's funny. The, the catalyst of it was just because I felt like I could save a life. But the outcome of what came from it so was like – Yeah, so much bigger. And why like – teaching and it's probably the only thing I could teach because when I'm looking in that child's eyes and telling them that it's okay to be scared it's okay to cry mm. it's okay that it's hard all I, I feel like hopefully my voice will go with them next time they're up against it up against oh, something God. hard and a lot of the times for a two-year-old or a three-year-old no one's ever told them that before we're always trying to fix their problems we're trying to fix everything for them don't let them just be in it for a minute just feel what you're feeling it's okay yeah feel what you're feeling and you're giving okay them a gift hard. you're giving them a gift i know you know but like that's such a gift like when i taught swim lessons i remember that fate there because you're a swimmer yeah did you teach for a while yeah oh that's amazing yeah it's just, you're giving them a gift that confidence that you're instilling in them is incredible so, yeah oh that's cool it's just, it's the only thing that is so life and death like that. It's so fun, but it's also deadly. And it's the first thing that children come up against like that. So it creates this great little bubble to teach them that they are strong and brave and that it's okay to try hard things and it's okay to fail. All right, Michelle Lang. Are you on social media? I am on social media. What are your social medias? At the Michelle Lang or and or Rebels pages at B underscore a underscore RBL. 
And those underscores, I'm like, why did I do that to myself? <laughs> what was I thinking? That's all right. Underscores. We'll post that for sure. <laughs> underscores. Um, did you enjoy this experience? I loved it. We're about done. Is there anything else you want to throw in? Is there anything I didn't hit that you wanted to? We well, got your book. We got your Rebel. We didn't talk about Everyone's Doing Great, which is coming out soon. Well, it's let's a TV do, t- show. Talk about it. With uh, It's a TV show with James Lafferty, Stephen Coletti, Alexandra Park. All right. Here's your camera and, right here. Um, that was yeah. just in case, you know. Just in case I wasn't so, sure. Yeah. <laughs> no. What is that? What is that thing? <laughs> no, I mean, if you wanted to specifically. Oh, say, address. Hey, watch my show. Yeah. Oh, well, well, it's coming out soon. No, it was more just a, hey, this is cool. Please. Keep an eye out we are, we're grateful for the fans. It was crowned, crowdfunded. So oh, cool. we're, we, do, we shot all eight episodes. So. Cool. cool. Awesome. Uh, on YouTube? We don't, we're just in the, we're finishing it first and then we're going to find the best home. Fair enough. That's easy. Um, Mrs. Ryan, anything else? No. All right. In that case, um, thank you so much for being here. It means a lot. Thank you for having me. Uh, tomorrow, Mrs. Ryan, we've got Mike Siegel. Yeah, he's a comedian. Comedian. Okay. And Thursday, and Thursday, Steph Curtis is back. One of our favorites. Awesome. Very cool. I almost said Steph Curry. That's a different guy. Different guy. This is Steph Curtis, female. Um, Mrs. Ryan, I love you so very much. We love you so very much. I love you so very much. We love everybody at home. Please love one another. And we will see you tomorrow with Mike Siegel.